0: Thank you. Thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that uh, you're here, that you're in us to, to teach us, to guide us, to shepherd us, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us into unity, into one body, Father God, to serve and to love one another with pure hearts, Father God. Uh, we thank you that, Lord, you're light and in you is no darkness at all. So we pray, Father, that you would just allow us to stand in the light of your word, Father that you give us ears to hear, Father, eyes to see, hearts to know you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So um, <clears throat> John 13, verses 1 through 17, and it, it's kind of funny. It's, um, we're going to talk about being washed in love this morning. I actually felt like the Lord put love on my heart. And so you want to guess what passage I opened my Bible to as I began to do some sermon prep? 1 Corinthians 13. Interesting, 13, 13. So I'm like, of course, right? First Corinthians 13, we're going to talk about love. It's going to be all this great stuff. And this thought just came into my mind about the love of Christ shown in washing his disciples' feet. So I'm like, hey, that'll be a great introduction. So I turned to John 13, and actually, it's funny, our brother Michael had brought this up uh, at our Tuesday morning meeting anyway, so it seemed fitting. And I was like, that'll be a great introduction. And like an hour and a half later, I was still in an introduction, and I figured, I don't think this is an introduction anymore. So um, we are going to be talking about love, but we're going to be really talking about if we look at the life of Christ, we look at how he walked, what his commands were, if we're to take Jesus as the example of what is love, there's a very, very important lesson To be seen there. Does anybody know how um, the Bible actually, the Bible gives us a definition of love? Does anybody know where that's found most clearly? It's actually found in 1 John. And in 1 John, a couple of times, the Apostle John says, and God is love. And God is love. But when you read the context of first john you look at what he's pointing to when he says god is love and he's trying to describe this love he points to jesus carrying his cross to golgotha for our sake so when we hear that god is love that's the type of love that we're talking about not a i just got a bouquet of flowers and some good chocolates love not a pepperoni pizza is the pizza i love love not a, this is my homie who I love, love, but this is a real, godly, self-denying, foot-washing, cross-bearing love. I'm going to give you two things right off the bat, right? This is normally where, like, you know, get a good introduction, you start going, you bring out your points. Now I'm just going to give you two things right off the bat, right? Um, two things the Bible teaches us about love. True, authentic, godly love does not exist without sacrifice at all. If you say you love somebody, if you say you're, you are loving somebody, but there's nothing in your life, in your heart, in your actions, in your will that sacrifices for that person, you have not begun to love them. Right? You haven't begun to love them. The second thing about a a, a pure and godly love that we find from the scriptures. And we'll see some of this. Um, Love always pursues what's best for the other person. Okay? Uh, (laughs) uh, Me and Alana were talking uh, over the week, and she said something at one point about people always wanting to do um, what's good to people instead of what's good for people. And I was like, man, that's a really, actually, that's a pretty wise and profound way to say something. There's a big difference between doing something good to somebody and doing something good for somebody. And see, we have a perfect father, and he looks at our lives, he looks at our hearts, he looks at our minds, and he allows us to go through bad things, hard things, struggles, things that are not, in our eyes, good to us but he sees the outcome of our faith, of our testing, of our, of our teaching, whatever it is, and he knows that whatever's happening in our life, he is doing to be good to us or, or for us, right? <clears throat> and so Jesus actually has a moment like that with his disciples at what we call the Last Supper before his crucifixion. And it's very interesting. In John 13, starting in verse 1, I want you to read. We're going to read through these 17 chapters, or uh, verses. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Church is going to go longer than you expected. Uh, Through these 17 verses, and uh, we're going to come back and, and digest it together a little bit. Now, before the feast of the Passover, listen to this. When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. So that little statement is the precursor to everything that's about to happen. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. But Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen? So here's the interesting thing here. Jesus comes into this meal, right? And they don't have high tables and high chairs. I mean, these guys are like leaning back, their feet are stuck out, they are about to eat with each other, they've been walking who knows how far, how long through dirt and, you know, potentially mud, you know, cow dung, probably not, I don't know, whatever. There is sewage in the street, all kinds of things that like if you walked around today, you might get a little dirt and a little asphalt, but there was a lot nastier things back then in these streets and walking from town to town, and these guys are wearing, like, jambles, right? You've seen those, the Jesus sandals? Like, same things, probably. Um, and so there's a very real physical issue that Jesus walks into. He walks into this time. They're supposed to be worshiping together, fellowshipping together, breaking bread, celebrating this time. And, man, these guys got some stanky feet. He's like, man, I can't be eating my food with no stanky feet. And so there's a very real, a real physical problem, but here's the thing, the Lord wants to give us eyes to see, right, Jesus wants you to have his vision, his heart, his love, and in order to do that, what you have to begin to understand is that physical issues are almost always a sign of a spiritual reality, always, and the scriptures give us many examples of that. And so Jesus was looking around this table, and everybody has these dirty feet, and no one volunteers to wash them. Now, this is important because in, in this culture, like, you coming in, you having dinner, and you keep, you washing your feet, like, that's what you did, right? That's like, you go to Grandma's house, you wash your hands before you eat, okay? Right? Like, that's just what it is, okay? And so, what would happen is, is a servant, someone, whoever was least in the house, and if someone had servants or slaves, the least of the servants, the least of the slaves, it was their job to come in with the water and to wash people's feet. That way all this filth that was on them that they weren't bringing it into the house and they could recline, they could be clean and they could eat with joy, right? And that was this practice. And so Jesus looks around at these disciples, his 12 disciples, and he sees nobody's willing to take that job. Nobody was willing to humble their heart in the midst of their brothers and to wash those dirty, stanky feet. Is Jesus at this point, let me just ask you, do you think Jesus is really so concerned with the dirt on their feet? Or is it perhaps he's a bit more concerned with the dirt in their heart? So, it's interesting if we go back to the beginning of this chapter, listen as Jesus understands something. He says, It says, He knows His hour has come, that He's going to depart from this world, that He's going to go to His Father. What does that mean? Jesus is about to go through the most horrifying experience any human being could ever experience crucifixion, beating, the cat of nine tails, His flesh ripped off as an innocent man. Not only that, but he's about to, on that cross, naked, exposed, dying before the people he came to save, he bears their weight and burden and sin upon himself. If there is ever a night where Jesus, the king of the Jews, the creator of the world, God in flesh, if he wasn't honored on any other night, if there was one night where that night should have been about him, where he should have been honored, where he could have taken a place and said, No, this is my time, this was that time. And if there was ever a night that anyone should have sought to serve for his sake, this was that night. And he had every physical, spiritual, imaginable right to expect that. And he does not say a word. Instead it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. So supper being ended, it says that there's someone even here in the midst of this table with them. His name is Judas. And what we know from the Bible is right after this supper, Judas is gonna get up from the table. He's gonna go out to the religious leaders, and he's gonna sell his homie out. He's gonna be like, oh yeah, Jesus, the guy I've been ministering with for three years. Oh yeah, Jesus, the guy that's been doing miracles and signs and wonders. Oh yeah, Jesus, the guy that's been teaching all the people how to come to the Lord. Oh yeah, Jesus, my Lord, give me 30 pieces of coins and he's yours. And Jesus knows Judas is about to do this, And he does not exclude him when he comes to wash feet. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in his hand, and he had come from God, was going to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel when he was girded. Now, you have to understand, this is like some radical scandalous stuff going on, that the master of the house should defile himself, should should ruin his esteem and his reputation to, to take the form of a servant and to wash his servant's feet. This is a scandalous thing. And so what Peter's about to say is not out of line. And and he comes to Peter, and he's about to wash his feet, and Peter says to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? What is he saying? Lord, we should be doing this to you. Are you, are you, you're humiliating yourself. What are you doing? I can't let you do this to me. Now, it's very interesting. Pride. There's a pride that would say, I deserve for you to wash my feet. There's the same pride that would say, no, I won't let you wash my feet. Both of those things, both of those hearts are pride. Thinking you deserve what you don't deserve and not willing to take what someone's offering. Those are both pride. And this is the issue that Jesus is dealing with, the pride of his disciples. The fact that, yeah, they were doing ministry. They could boast in that. Yeah, they were healing the sick. They were casting out demons. They were preaching the word of truth. They were serving people. And that's great. And you know what? God has geared you in a certain way. Well, there will be easy areas where it's just easy for you to serve. You can't even call it service. You're just like, man, I love doing this. There's going to be areas in your life, right, where you can give, 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 and you really didn't sacrifice anything. And, and you would be fruitful in those things. And yet there's these other areas of your heart where as selfless as you are here, suddenly your heart will turn and say, well, you know, what is it, what is it we say in the secular world? Uh, that's not in my job description. Right? And we're tested, and this is that. Man, yeah, they do all these things, but here they are, and they're not willing to humble them. They all thought it, would, it should be someone else's job. Jesus, who is lowering himself even to the point of death for people who hate him, These, his disciples, who should be following in his image, all thought that they were one step above someone else in the room. And Jesus saw this and said, man, I guess I got to wash my feet. And so Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. But listen to this. Listen, this is actually probably one of the most important verses in this Bible, or in in this text. And I know what you're thinking, right? Oh, here we go. Darren's talking about feet washing. We need to serve people. We need to wash other people's feet. No. That's actually a secondary point. What I want to point your attention to is Jesus' response to Peter. That if we don't get this straight, All the acts of service and foot washing and whatever you think you could go out and do for the Lord and quote 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 quote, right uh, is really useless. Peter says, "You shall never wash my feet." And Jesus responds like this: He says, "If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. You have no part." What is Jesus saying? Peter, there's an there's a issue here, bud. There's an issue in your heart. There's an issue with your stank feet. And if you don't allow me to serve you, how can we have anything to do with each other? How can we be in unity? Um, again, our good friend, Alana, um, by the way, she, she lives at her house. She shares a room with Shelby, so... We talk a lot. But um, <clears throat> she's, she's been telling me in the last couple weeks that there's a word she really hates. And I get it. She has a good reason to hate it. You know what that word is? Leadership. She hates that word. Really, she hates that idea. Not that she thinks that there's no room for leaders or that people shouldn't lead. But there's a connotation. There's this, not, not the pure definition of the word, but the connotation, how we view that word that is so warped and ungodly, right? And <clears throat> what is leadership in the kingdom of God? Does Anybody know what Jesus teaches about what does it mean to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What was that? Jesus said, you wanna be, the, you wanna be great in my kingdom? You have to be servant to all. You want to be great in my kingdom? He pulls out a little child. You have to become like him. Right? Leadership is a really messed up thing in the world, right? In the kingdom of God, all leadership is is someone whose heart is so sold out and laying their needs down for other people that they're getting it right. And other people can look at them and say, hey, man, That's what that looks like, and I need to follow suit. They're not leaders because they're in charge, because they've been given authority, or any of those reasons. In fact, the only reason someone should be in charge or given authority is because their heart is already given to serve others and to esteem others more important than themselves. Leadership is very simple. It's about leading. That means you're one step ahead of the other people in whatever you're asking them to do. If you're asking someone to serve, it's because you're serving wholeheartedly. If you're asking someone to preach, it's because you're preaching the word with confidence. If you're asking people to share the gospel, it's because the gospel has fueled your heart, right? And you've, you've given your life to the Lord to share the gospel. You're leading people. And my question to you would be, when do you get to a point where Jesus no longer needs to wash your feet. It's interesting, Peter's like, well, shoot, man. Like, if I, can't be, if I can't be part of you without you washing your feet, you might as well wash my head and my hands, too. Let's just sponge bath, baby. Let's do it. And Jesus says, no, like, man, you're already clean. Someone who's bathed, you're entirely clean. You just need your feet to be washed off. It's interesting, if you jump to John 15, verse three, Jesus says, you are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Now this is in the same conversation, in the same room, in the same time. This is all one big deal. Jesus is referring to the same spiritual reality. So if he's saying, my words that you have believed and taken to your heart, if that's what's making you clean, then is Jesus talking about physical foot washing? No. By the blood of Jesus, we are blameless and holy before him in love that this is the will which he has predestined before the foundation of the earth, That's an ex- those are exact Bible quotes, I'm not making that up. Holy and blameless before him in love because of the justification that God has given us freely by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. However, you still got skin on, don't you? You still got a flesh that wars against your spirit. And though you may be clean before the Lord, when you walk through this world, your feet get dirty, man. You pick up bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, jealousies, contentions, divisions, addictions, and other things like this, like Paul says, and other such things, right? And we come into these points where we stumble and we struggle and we, and we miss it, right? We miss it. And maybe no one else knows it, but in our heart, we know it, right? And let me, let me say something that I hope brings some confidence to you. It's a very, uh, a, a, a very pointed theological phrase, okay? I want you to remember this. Jesus isn't tripping. He's really not all that concerned about the stumbles and the missing it, what he's concerned about is, are you continuing to follow me? When Jesus died on the cross, whatever your mess up for tomorrow is, he already saw and already paid for. To you, it's new, to him, it's not. And I'm not saying that he doesn't care if you sin, that's not what I'm saying at all, he cares very much. But he's not suddenly, oh, oh! Cameron, He missed it right there, Roadblock. sorry buddy, you gotta sit out, five minute penalty can't use you right now, no, the Lord wants to restore us, right, and actually it's through our struggles, it's through the mourning of our hearts towards sin, it's through the mourning and the struggles that the Holy Spirit puts in us that we're comforted, as it says in the Beatitudes. Jesus uses these things to grow us, the only thing he asks for is to have an open heart and that day after day after day after day after day, you allow the Lord to to wipe off whatever dirt you tracked in in your heart. Jesus is our high priest. He still stands before God and ministers on our behalf today. You know what? And he's going to give you people in your life. It could be your parents. It could be your brothers. It could be your pastors, your elders. He's going to put people in your life to speak his word to you and to minister to you and to wash your feet To address issues in your life. And the moment you harden your heart against his word, against people trying to serve you, against the Lord, you don't allow me to wash your feet. We have no part with each other. I've got a dear friend. I won't won't use the name, but they'll come to me and uh, be like, well, (sighs) I've been sitting again. And I'm like... Oh, gosh, really? So how's that going? Yeah, yeah, me and God, uh, we haven't been talking recently. And I'm like, what? Stop that. What do you mean? Like, go repent. Why are you telling me this? Like, go and repent. Like, but that's a very real thing. It's like we get into this place and things happen in our heart, things happen in our life, and it's like Jesus says, come to me. All oh, you who are aware, I'll give you rest. But somehow we, we actually harden our hearts against him, Right? And if we, 1 John 1, 9, Pastor Mark made me, I think that was the first Bible verse he ever made me memorize. I've been thankful for that. Because when I started going out in the streets and I had like three Bible verses to my name, that was one of them. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And this is the foot washing that Jesus is talking about. That he will cleanse you and he will make you clean. And that separation is, does not have to be there. If you feel separated from the Lord, if you feel separated from his heart, from, if you still feel separated from your, from your brothers or from your family today, who's causing that because it's not the Lord? There's a, oh, I think I heard this from Adrian Rogers, I'm not, I'm not sure, I've shared it before, but there's a, a, a couple and they're driving down the road in their truck and the woman's sitting next to the door and she's reminiscing on old times. She looks over at her husband and she goes, oh honey, don't you remember the good old days when we used to drive you know, down this road and I would sit right next to you and you'd have your arm around me and I'd have my hand on your leg. And he looks over at her and he says, yeah, well I didn't move. Ooh, right? Jesus... Wants to serve you. Do you realize that? Like you serving Jesus is really Him serving you, and then you just sharing with others what He did to your heart. That's the only authentic ministry. Anything other than that, anything contrived, anything—oh, this is what you know. I need to do, and this is what it looks like—is from the flesh. And you know what? Flesh reaps corruption. Verse twelve. So when he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments and sat down and said to them, do you know what I've done to you? And I wonder if he was challenging them to consider, yes, his humility. Yes, that the master of all made him the servant of all, made himself the servant of all for their sakes so that they would be instructed. But I wonder if he was challenging them to see beyond the physical and to look at what he was doing spiritually, addressing Peter's heart. You call me teacher and Lord and you say well for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent him greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed, blessed are you. Guys, Jesus is indeed asking us to wash people's feet. He's asking us to humble ourselves, to go to our brothers, to go to our sisters, to be their servant. One of the things I tell people all the time is like, you know what it means to be a pastor? You know what my position in the church is? Slave to all. Because when you call me crying at 2 a.m., you know what I got to do? I got to get out of my bed and answer. When you show up at my door, you know, oh, she left me. Or, oh, my car broke down. Or, oh, I don't have money. It's like, I got to take, and I'm not saying I have to. Like, it's my heart to do that. But you, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, you have questions, concerns, prayers. I'm, I'm just a slave to this congregation. I'm a servant, and I love it, and I thank the Lord for it. I'm not complaining. But, like, if, if I had any other thought than that, y'all might as well fire me as quickly as you can because that is the example that Jesus left, that we should serve one another, that we should be that catalyst to come and speak into our brothers and sisters' lives and help them clear away whatever it is in their heart, in their life, in their mind, that's causing the separation between them and experiencing the Lord. That is what we have been called to in sacrificing yourself, your image, how they're gonna think about you, whether or not they're gonna like you, sacrificing your time, all of those things for their sake, that is the only act of true godly love. But as we come to a a closing here, it's very important to understand that if you're not first allowing the Lord to do that with you, your heart cannot be fit to do that for anyone else. And so, guys, I just want to challenge y'all today to open your heart up to the love of the Lord, to know that he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you of unrighteousness. There's nothing, nothing that can separate you, not angels, not demons, not life, nor death can keep you from the love of God. If God gave his own son for you, what would he withhold? While you were still sinners, he died for you. If now justified, what love will he show you in this life? Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to open our hearts to him, to remove anything that would separate us. And let's be willing to let Jesus just wash our feet and show us where he's trying to take us into a deeper relationship with him. Father God, we thank you so much For this day, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father, that your word is alive and active, that it cuts through and separates between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Father, just as our brother Mark reminds us, it's not that we're reading your word, it's that your word is reading us, Lord God. And I pray that you would search in our hearts, Father, to see if there be any wicked way, Father. Lord, if we have held on to, to dirty feet and not humbled ourselves, opened our hearts to you, Father. If there's anything that would keep us from growing, actually, into a deeper relationship with you, Father, because that's what you're calling us to. I pray that you would expose in our heart. That right now, Lord, we would be willing to confess that. And Lord, we say, Jesus, please forgive us, Lord. Please forgive us. Please wash us. Please cleanse us. We trust your word. We believe that you're faithful and just. And we're asking for it right now. And Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you that we're forgiven because your word is true. And we ask in the days to come that we would have hearts full of light, that we would walk and we would minister in that ministry of reconciliation and that, Lord, as we allow you to wash our feet, Jesus, help us also be of no reputation, but humbly love people by washing theirs also. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.